Welcome to Killer Bees. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. No, this is a podcast in which we profile some of our favorite B-movie and genre film stars. That's right. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Tori Potenza. And if you're hearing this, it's because our first few episodes were recorded before we knew what our podcast was called. Yep. Or before we had any social media. So you'll hear us say a lot of stuff that either isn't true or... Not real yet. <laughs> so. Yes, uh, but now it's real. If you're but now this, it's real. It's real. Yeah. Uh, you can find our podcast everywhere at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. Um, Instagram, Twitter, we're all over the internet. And um, we're now part of the Movie John Network. Yes. So uh, definitely follow Movie John on social medias as well as uh, the Movie John Podcast Network. Yep, you can go to moviejohn.com for this podcast mm-hmm. and a bunch of others. Yeah. And uh, we also just want to quickly give a shout out to uh, the folks that helped us with some of our music, uh, which uh, I'm lucky enough to have friends, uh, Christine and her partner, Pat, uh, who did the intro music for the podcast, as well as Alex, uh, who is the co-owner of A Novel Idea on Passyunk uh, in Philadelphia. Does Alex have a last name so people can look him up? Alex Snyder. Uh, So he is a really great graphic designer. Uh, He does all the graphic design for the bookshop uh, that he co-owns and has done uh, tons of other work for other folks. So we're very lucky to have these talented people who uh, did the music and art for us because those are things we can't do. Yeah, so (laughs) thank you to them and uh, enjoy the show. Thanks! We are back with B-roll, or at least what we are calling it right now, and we'll see uh, what happens in the next few weeks as we uh, start releasing these episodes. Uh, my name is Tori Potenza. I like that you started this episode as if we were returning from commercial break. Uh, my name is Garrett Smith. <laughs> Thank you for immediately uh, making me second guess the words oh, that no. came out of my mouth. That's not what I intended <laughs> to do. We started this podcast. <laughs> It's like, uh... <laughs> I, I just like episode two starting with, welcome back! Well, well, it's, you know, a two-parter. That's so true, that's true. hopefully... It's like we took a week-long commercial break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it will, we will have a gap in between this episode that is a week long, yes. so you will feel that wait period with us. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, like, we're meant to be sort of pre-recording a bunch of these, and yeah. we're still just doing them on the schedule. We probably will be doing them once yes. we get to it. It's been a a week in real time. It has, indeed, yes. Since we last talked about our man, John Saxon. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, discussed John Saxon's early life and his film career up uh, through the 70s. Yes. So we will uh, be continuing on this journey of John Saxon's life, uh, going from the 80s until uh, his unfortunate passing not too long ago. Yeah. Um, before we get to that really quick, I think maybe a thing to do probably at the top of most of these is just like kind of describe the premise of the show. Yeah. Uh, and so we're tentatively calling it B-roll. Hopefully that's the title it has when it comes yep. out, but I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe we'll think of something else yep. in the meantime. I don't know. Um, but we are going through uh, actors that we consider to be B-actors and we can all or argue about. Actors. Yeah, we can all argue about what a B-movie actually is later, uh, but we're calling these B-movie stars, and we're basically doing profiles on B-movie stars. Yeah. That's the simplest way Some to... of our, our favy faves. Yeah. Um, you know, starting out pretty hot and strong with uh, Mr. Saxon. That's so, correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I mean, another thing I wanted to try to do, I guess, was talk maybe just a little bit about either Saxon things we've seen or uh, like just some genre films that we have watched recently. Yeah, that's right. So like one thing that we know for sure, and we will probably loosely talk about this movie, this episode that we haven't watched it yet. Um, because of our friends at Viva Video, we should be able to see John Saxon's only directorial credit, Zombie Death House. Yes. However, we will not have seen it by the time we're done with our John Saxon episodes. Mm-hmm. So we've thought that a a sort of segment on the show could be us going over movies we've seen mm-hmm. with any actors that we've done prior on the show. Yeah. So once we catch up with this John Saxon movie, it doesn't matter whose episode we're on once we've watched it, mm-hmm. we'll do a little segment where we talk about John Saxon, yeah. you know, or any other movie we watched with a star that we've talked mm-hmm. about. But obviously that means here in the early episodes, we've talked about no stars. So we can turn this yeah. segment maybe just into like what genre stuff have we been watching? Yeah. So um, we, I mean, we always watch a lot of movies, um, but I think one of the earliest ones since last week that we watched was uh, The Omen 2, or oh my God, more yes. appropriately titled Damon Omen 2. <laughs> yes. Damien Omen 2. Dan and I were talking, so Dan and I just did an episode of I Liked yeah. a Movie Movie about this movie. Uh, and that was pretty much one of the things we talked about for a good 20 minutes is this movie is actually called Damien Omen 2. Yeah. And it has. Not the Omen 2. <laughs> Omen 2. And it's got some interesting folks in it. I mean, yeah. one, one person that we were both like, is that was, uh, Lars, uh. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, no, uh, Lance Hendrickson. Lance Hendrickson. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Uh, from you know, uh, uh, the it took alien us so movies. long to actually recognize him. Well, and because he doesn't even have like a huge role in the movie. Yeah, he's just kind of the, I guess, like leader of the military academy that uh, Damien is in. Which, yeah. Uh, we, I, I'm assuming, we'll talk about him at some point because he's definitely one of my favorite uh, genre film stars. So absolutely, um, yeah. I mean, it was well, fun to like see this and be like, oh hey. Lance Henriksen, what are you doing here? Yeah. Uh, I'm actually curious. So hold on. I'm really quick just going to go as far back as I can. Yeah, he started acting in 1961. So it's not even like he was in Dog Day Afternoon before this. He was in Network and Close I mean, Encounters well- <laughs> of the Third Kind. I'm just saying it's weird that he's in Damien Omen 2. It's very weird. And like not in the opening credits. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. he's like already been in some big stuff yeah. before this. It's it's an odd one for yeah. sure. So I'm sure we'll talk about that more when we, you know, eventually do an episode or two on him because he's uh, I mean, definitely uh, an interesting dude. Yeah. He's got 259 acting credits yeah. on IMDb. So that's like 17 episodes of the show or so, yeah. I would say. And then, uh, you know, usually Sundays for us end up being a little bit of a movie marathon. Yeah. So um, we watched a couple this weekend. Yeah, what did we watch this uh, we weekend? We watched... The Black Cat, which there are several movies called The Black Cat or Black Cat. Uh, this is the one from 1934 that stars Vincent Price, or not Vincent Price, uh, Boris Karloff and um, Bella Lugosi, uh, which yeah. is a movie that I have seen before, and it's like an hour long, which is insane. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I don't think I realized you had seen it before. Yes, I, I had seen it before ages ago. It was like one of those movies that was on like those... Um, like 50 horror classic yeah. like DVD collections you could get yep. at like Rite Aid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's directed by Ulmer, right? Like Edgar G. Ulmer or something like that. 
because uh, I just saw yes, the Criterion Collection actually has like more of his movies right now that we could watch if we wanted yeah, to. Yeah, and specifically this, and then we also watched The Haunting from 1963 are both part of Criterion's uh, like queer-sighted um, section. So um, that's a really cool thing to check out if you have Criterion. They have like a really good selection of stuff. And I was very excited to see The Haunting since it's based on Shirley Jackson's book, which I had finished last month in, for Halloween. Yeah. Um, to be, fantastic. To be clear, The Haunting of Hill House is her book, right? Yes. Am I right about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, two of the adaptations they've done of this are just called The Haunting, which and, is really interesting. Well, I'm assuming it's to distinguish them from the other adaptations, which I believe are called The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it seems like later as these go, they take a lot more liberties. But this was fairly accurate to the book. Yeah, I've not read the book. You yeah, have. Very, very good. Yeah. Um, I loved that movie. I loved that movie, too. I thought that movie was, good. like, great. Yeah. Uh, legitimately creepy and yeah. um, very well shot. Like, it's a movie where I'm like, man, this should be a black and white movie. Like, this looks amazing in black and white. That black and white photography was incredible. And yeah. I think, am I right? That movie, is it, like, a 60s movie? It's a 60s right? movie, yeah. So it's, like, it's that gorgeous black and white where it's, like, we were already shooting in color. If anybody was shooting in black and white, it was a choice. And so it's just like that, yeah. like really, really gorgeous, like very black blacks, very yeah. white whites. Like, uh, yeah, I really, really like it. And then it. to top it off, we watched, uh, which was something we did talk about and kind of ties in. We wanted to watch more Mario Bava. Oh, yes, right. And so we watched, uh, which uh, Shudder has a collection of his films now. Mm-hmm. So we watched Bay of Blood, which uh, is a movie. Yeah. I wish I. <laughs> I liked it more. I Me know too. people that are fans of this movie, and I could totally see why. There's like plenty to like about this yes. movie. Um, we have since watched a very bad movie, which again uh, just made me reconsider all yeah. of my feelings about other movies I didn't yeah, like. Yeah, it's definitely not bad. Yeah. It's just, especially compared to some of the Bava we have seen, yes. it's ultimately not as interesting of a plot. It was uh, a little hard for me to engage yeah. with overall. The stuff that's good is really cool. Yeah. There's some very cool death scenes in it. Yeah, some really cool practical effects, for uh, sure. And, and I don't even hate the plot. It's At least more th- two people get their head just fully decapitated yeah. in that movie, I'm pretty sure. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't even dislike the plot. There's actually some interesting things in the plot of the movie, but it's just told in a way, and there's a lot of old Italian movies that are- It makes it confusing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of old Italian movies like this where I can't tell if it's something I'm losing in translation mm. because the subtitles are not good, or it's just the way they tell story, whatever. I have trouble following them sometimes, mm. and this was definitely one where I was like- I just wasn't always sure, yeah. like, even who was who sometimes, you know? I know you mentioned that there were these two, like, older gentlemen that, yes. like, do look very much alike. Yes. <laughs> and it, so it was hard to... It took me, like, 30 minutes to figure out yeah. that they were two different characters. Yeah. yeah. Very strange. Uh, but fun to be able to check yeah. out some more Baba. Um, For sure. Since he is one of the, like... Uh, more well-known genre like Italian directors who we haven't seen a ton of. He's, you know, considered like the godfather of Giallo. for sure. Uh, And we've watched a bunch of Argento. We've watched a decent amount of Fulci, but like have not watched uh, more of his stuff. So, However, the thing that uh, I have, I mean, I've seen a couple now, but the thing I have watched and loved was Blood and Black Lace. And I loved that so much. Like that might be my favorite Giallo I've seen in general. Mm. And so that's why I'm like so interested to go through the other Baba stuff because it's like he made the one that to me is like 
fucking incredible. Yeah, like cream of the crop yeah. for Giallo. And so sure. I, I think that's why I've been a little bit disappointed in the couple we've mm. watched since because they just are, they're not that, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I wish that they were. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll watch a couple more and see what yeah. happens. Yeah. But uh, let's uh, jump Get back into, to Johnny Sachs. Yeah, because we're getting to the 80s, which is, uh, you know, definitely <laughs> you and our favorite realm. Decade. Yeah, definitely our preferred decade. And, uh, you know, definitely plenty of Saxon roles that we are excited to talk about for this as well. Um, so in the 80s, Saxon is really, like, full on into doing, like, genre horror films we, i mean if you listen to our part one episode we talked about quite a few genre movies yeah but that is pretty much exclusively what you can find john saxon in from like the 80s on yeah it's uh he, it's definitely like his uh you know that's his niche now bread and butter indeed um so early on in the 80s saxon does films like beyond evil cannibals in the streets what the hell is cannibals in the streets oh well i am going to open this hey link you, you know what i always say i'm a real cannibal in the streets but a hannibal in the sheets you know what i'm talking about hey up top uh oh no it clicked battle beyond the stars wrong one i didn't want that one hold on we're cannibals in the streets <laughs> wait you just sang it like it was a song and i liked it even better <laughs> Okay, Cannibals in the Streets. Cannibals oh, in the Streets! This is one I think he talked about, uh, which sounded kind of interesting. So mentally unstable Vietnam vets who were held captive by the, by the Viet Cong come back to America after being rescued carrying a dangerous virus that turns people into cannibals when bitten. What the fuck? So it's like rabid, but like somehow a Vietnam yeah. movie. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's one where uh, I found some commentary from Saxon about it that was like, Initially, he really wanted this to be much more of, like, an allegory for the, you know, horrors of war and PTSD, and it kind of just turns into, like, a schlock fest. So, uh, something probably we would enjoy still, but it's it, I've heard, you know, in Saxon's talking a couple times where he kind of wants films to have a little bit more of a deeper meaning. Yeah. And unfortunately, with these, like, you know, cheaper, like sci-fi horror films you're not always gonna be uh getting that as much as uh you might want as an actor uh but it sounds fucking great to me so we've got to do one of my favorite things right now which is talk about alternate titles i love so this was apparently an italian movie of course directed by antonio margariti uh, who I think is like one, you know, yeah. uh, somewhat well known. Uh, uh, I was director. like, oh, Margariti, but I'm just thinking of that from Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I think is a reference to this guy. Which is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Cannibals in the Streets, uh, original title Apocalypse Domani, or Domani. I'm not really sure about the Italian. But uh, I can see right here in one of the screen grabs that one of the titles of this is Cannibal Apocalypse. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, so great stuff. And, you know, more of his Italian work, obviously, too. Um, yeah, which, I mean, I am specifically pretty interested in that part of his career. Like, too. that's some of the stuff that I want to track down and see more of. Um, he also did a movie called Blood Beach. We're going to talk about a different movie with a very similar title <laughs> and plot. Wait, I actually thought this was that movie. No. It's not, is it? <laughs> no. So we watched another movie, which we will talk about when we get there. But this is a different movie with a very similar That's title. Right. Yes, right. Uh, and then um, another film called The Scorpion with Two Tails, which is just a good title. Great title. Love it. 
Um, and then uh, he works with Argent- Argento doing Tenabre, which is uh, one of my favorite giallos I- and one of my favorite yes. uh, Argentos. Yes. I love Tenabre. I think it's so fun. Um, and he is such an interesting presence in that movie because yes, he, he and like the lead, I think, are the two like American uh, actors. And then we have, um, um, oh man, she just passed away, and I'm about to forget her oh, name. Oh, uh, um What the heck is her last name? Why can't I think of it now? It's like Diodaro, maybe. Yeah, it's so sad. I like just found her the other day on social media, and I was so excited that she was still alive. And is Daria uh, Nicolati? Oh, I, I literally did her name backwards. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah which just so fucking sad that yes. she passed away so recently. She was married to Argento at some point, right? Yeah, and I believe Asia Argento is her daughter. So, okay. yep. uh, another, you know, another twenty twenty loss from uh you know some of our favorite genre folks which is yeah, really unfortunate i know um but yeah he you know starred alongside these people and tenabre like many of argento's films is just kind of a wild ride i love tenabre I like do too and I, saxon's wearing this like hat through most of oh, it I know. <laughs> he loves hats he, he's he, in pork pie hats in like yeah. half of the movies he's in he has a lot of interesting style choices just throughout his films. Like when we talked about, um, oh man, the uh, Bruce Lee film we watched, uh, Enter the Dragon. Oh, yes. He's like wearing like either his like martial arts gear or turtlenecks. Right. And yes. He. Oh man, turtlenecks <laughs> no look great on this man. Uh, yeah. I mean, I. So I'm a huge fan of this. I actually, I want to read that. This is one of the ones I've been wanting to revisit. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you know. Uh, Everybody loves Suspiria, and I do also love do. Suspiria. Yeah. But I, when I saw opera on the big screen, it blew yeah. my fucking mind. And I really, really love opera. And I feel like Tenabre is like the close second for me. Yeah, it's like Tenabre and and opera are like my Argento movies. I, I really fucking like those movies. Yeah, when I saw Tenabre, I was like, ooh, damn, this is like the one. And I think it's maybe because it has such a crazy ending, but also just a lot of distinct scenes in my head. Like there's that really long chase in this slasher film yes. where a girl is just getting chased by a dog yes. for like a really long time and it's hilarious i also really like the setting of this movie yeah like his movies are usually kind of like the they they are in some way kind of sprawling like mm. even suspiria which mostly takes place in the dance school yeah the school is revealed to be this like endless huge maze of like yeah. all these different rooms and places but oh, Tanabri like just set. takes place in that like house mm. basically if i remember right um, it has a lot of different locations, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of different, like, uh, Italian like I, I have to revisit this, because my memory is that yeah. whole movie takes place in that writer's like, house. When I'm picturing Saxon in that movie, yeah. he's in, like, one of those big open squares in Italy. Whoa, I yeah. totally, I, you know, I have no memory of that. I really just remember all the stuff in the writer's house. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty all over the place. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to rewatch that. But, um, yes, I mean, I'm just, it's also cool that, like, you know, he's, you know, also working with all these like well-known genre yeah. actors and directors and getting to work with Argento is definitely a cool one. Um, yeah, I wonder if that like meant something to him at the time or well, if it was like he just got cast, you know? Yeah, And this is one of those movies like I um, saw an interview and he was talking about just how, you know, now like as an older man he found it so interesting that all of these like young fans would come up to him and be like oh i like loved you in tenabre in these roles or he's like i didn't realize like 
like young people are watching these movies like and discovering them and it's as part of that fan base it's like oh yeah like i feel like tenabre has got to be one of those movies that like if our generation and it seems like it's our it's probably it's i guess it's gen xers are who really seem to get into these like italian mm. giallo movies yeah and then i, I think our generation has kind of pick, picked it up from them you know like yeah. i i know them because the exhumed guys scream them all the time you know what i mean yeah. so it's like that generation just before me loves these enough that they've shown them to me you yeah. know what i mean but it's like i imagine if you're john saxon you make a movie like tenabre until gen x discovers this stuff and starts like talking yeah. and writing about it he probably fucking forgot he even you know yeah it's, probably, it's one of like 30 italian movies he made you know what i mean it's like well and when you think of like when we talked about his earlier career he's working with people like clint eastwood and you know, like working with like Audrey Hepburn, Robert Redford, like all of these folks. So when like someone comes up to him and is like, oh my God, you worked with Argento, that's probably like kind of like not what he's yeah. expecting to hear from folks. Or even just like, you know, people not necessarily being like, oh, you worked with Wes Craven, but like, which is also amazing, but like you got to work with Argento. Like right. and that's exciting for for folks like us that are really into those. Like, I know, Italian and I really I do, films. That's like I'm so sorry, I just interrupted you a little bit. But like okay. that is one of the things that I have been very curious about as a movie fan in like my thirties right mm -hmm. now, is like how much of this stuff is what what's the word I'm looking for? A new fandom, right? Like mm. has he did when he worked with Argento? Was that cool for him? Was Argento already a name mm. at the time that he was like, oh, I, I would like to work with him? Yeah. Or is he just cast? Yeah. And then even then, is it another decade before anybody ever comes up to say, hey, I love you in that Dario mm. Argento movie? Or yeah. is that happening right away? You know what I mean? I'm just curious, like, yeah. how long this stuff has actually been in the horror nerds. Like, I think in the deep horror nerds, like, guys, it's been around forever. Yeah, yeah. But in the larger context of that, where it's like now you know, horror is really mainstreamed in a way where it's like movie fans are horror fans now. Yeah. And probably are at least vaguely, for, you know, Suspiria was, the, a remake of it was a big movie just a couple years yeah. ago. They're probably vaguely familiar at least with it. So I don't know, I'm just curious. I always wonder about that stuff. Like, I feel like it's like very new that there's this fandom of these things, but that's because it's new to me, you know? Yeah, and I don't know much about how reception of these movies was and what that was like and you know, we, we talked like a little bit about like some of the video nasties and stuff. And like Argento isn't one of those directors that really ends up on those kinds of lists. Yeah, I don't know. Things. I don't think so. I don't think any of his films are on the video yeah. nasties list um, of stuff that was like banned right. in, in England. Um, so it's but it's interesting because like, you know, those movies are like pretty gory and, and wild and yeah. in a lot of respects, yeah. too. Um so, yeah, I'm, like, wondering, like, was this thought of as, like, a little, like, I don't know, like, higher class than some of these right, other horror right. films at the time? Like, a more artistic, which, you know, obviously, like, that's that's kind of how, like, he felt and others, like, yeah. like him felt, too. Yeah. But what was that, like, in the mainstream at the time? I definitely, I mean, it's, like, it is interesting to, it's funny that now we're just on an Argento tangent, but I'm, I'm loving yeah, it. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's fine. <laughs> we can this is exactly what we're here for. No, 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 yeah. this is why we're here. I, I really, I do wonder about, like, we think of Argento, uh, you know, we think of Argento as the Giallo guy. Yeah. And there's actually an argument to be made that, like, he didn't even actually make that many Giallo. Like, Suspiria mm -hmm. is considered, I think, by movie fans, like, oh, that great Giallo movie. And Suspiria is, like, barely actually a, by the definition yeah. of Giallo movies, it's, like, barely a Giallo movie. We just consider it one because Argento made it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there are a few of his films that I have not seen that I think 
are giallo films yeah. um just from like the descriptions and things mm-hmm. i know of but like like i haven't seen like the what's it the bird with the crystal plumage right. is yeah. one of them and well, cat of nine tails mm-hmm. i haven't seen either and and tenabre in opera would definitely be oh, yeah, you know sure. giallo movies but it, it just it's interesting to me that he is who i think is kind of the as you said like he's the name yeah that everybody would kind of pick out of a barrel well and he also got like, credit like you see movies like um it's demons and yep. also like the church yeah and his movie is his name is at like the top of he's those producer, posters though. but he's just the producer yeah, yeah. which is really interesting which is too. like tarantino now it's like there's some other people that this has happened yeah, to too absolutely but, but uh, uh even like tim burton like a lot of people think tim burton directed night before but, christmas yeah. he did not yeah. um the thing that is interesting to me about that is again was that the case at the time? Yeah. When when Argento was releasing these movies, is everybody going like, oh, Argento, like if you're going to go see one of these fucking things, go see the Argento yeah. one. Skip the Fulci one. He just makes like really violent movies. Mm. They're not like these beautiful artistic things that like Argento yeah. is making. Mm-hmm. Or are they all considered schlock at the time? You know, yeah. is it just like yeah. nobody's recognizing them in any kind of yeah. meaningful way? I mean, I definitely would be interested in researching that a little bit more. I think and, we should. And finding it, seeing what we can find. Yeah, that's a good idea. That. Maybe we should pick like an Italian actor at some point to uh, mm-hmm. do an episode and that'll give yeah. us an excuse to kind of like dig into some of this. Yeah, for sure. It's a good idea. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so back to some of Saxon's work. Um, so yeah, after doing Tenabre, he did some like sci-fi fantasy films, like, uh, Prisoners of the Lost World. Great title. Uh, he has like, uh, on the cover of this, he has this like really great, like evil mustache uh, that I'm really into. Um, he also did a film called Hands of Steel. I mean, that sounds like a Bruce Lee movie. I know it, it really does. Um, but then, uh, also like doing more TV work, um, a couple of the things that that I thought were interesting. He was on Magnum PI, Fantasy Island, The A-Team, and the, as well as Alfred Hitchcock Presents and the Ray Bradbury Theater. So he's also doing some of these like anthology TV shows that were like super popular at the time and I really liked. And I don't actually know if I've seen his episodes of them. So I want to dig into I that too. definitely have not and would um, love to. Yeah, because um, I think you can maybe still find Ray Bradbury Theater some places. I, know, I knew someone that had like a DVD of it and so I've seen a few you must exist somewhere. Um, I know Hitchcock pre- Presents is like out there somewhere. Yeah, a lot of it used to be on Hulu. Yeah. It might still be. Um, but then, of course, the the big one for the 80s in 1984, he is doing A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, playing Nancy's dad, who is also a cop. Um, and... <laughs> You know, we're that's gonna... right. In case anybody didn't listen to part one for some reason and you weren't aware, John Saxon plays like fifty percent cops. Yeah, he's like he's got a lot of cop roles. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like we we ran through this series, and I guess we'll get to the other movies as we get to them in the timeline of his films too. But we like ran through these movies like a year or so ago. Yeah. Um, and so we were also like pleasantly surprised to see that like he does come back in some of the other ones as well. But, yeah, it really, um, you know, he's one of those guys where you and I like him so much and he seemed to have a successful enough career that you'd be like, oh, he's not going to come back for that. Like, why the fuck would he come back yeah. for the dopey sequels yeah. to the slasher he was mm-hmm. in? And he comes back for like two of them at yeah. least. Um, and I mean, A Nightmare on Elm Street in general is just such a good movie and we rewatched it recently yeah. like it's so fucking scary and i always forget how scary oh this movie God, is I because i mean this one is 
got, got some camp too. Mm-hmm. And the other ones I think get more campier, mm-hmm. like as the series goes on. But like some of the first uh, like nightmare sequences in this film are really haunting yeah. um and like this like when um nancy's friend is like getting murdered and she's like on the wall and then later when nancy has a dream of her and she's in the body Yo, bag the body bag in the school is such a horrifying image every time yeah. i see it yeah. um yeah i mean like so- saxon is just like so good in the Great. in the role and like obviously taking it like very seriously as like Nancy's dad who's trying to you know protect her and also like catch the the bad guys that are you know causing these murders we talked about this with Black Christmas his like unique gift is being able to play the authority figure Mm -hmm. that has a heart like the authority figure that is the kind of authority figure you wish actually existed in the real world you know what I mean yeah, for sure. He's like he clearly cares about his his dog. But then there's that really there's that interesting moment. Do you remember this where he like uses her as bait to I know catch the other which kid? Is like really fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so also just like you know because obviously they have a strained relationship in yes. the movies. The parents are divorced and. You know, the mom is like a bit of an alcoholic and he's she's a like, lot of an alcoholic. Yeah, I mean, there is vodka like hidden, yes. like in towels yes. in their closet. Yeah. So like, yeah, she's she's full on. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he's like kind of thrown himself into his work also. But um, yeah. but yeah, I just I really like the the dynamic. And then like the whole end scene where Nancy's yes. like, OK, I know you don't believe this. And I know you all think I'm fucking crazy. But like, Dad, I need you to be at the house like at this time. And like, we're going to catch this guy. Well, and they're also like that's after the house is all uh, um, barred up. Or they yeah. like put the bars over the window. Mm-hmm. And so it's like he literally has to perform an assault on like the house that his daughter is in in order to like get her out. Which it's... is so wild that like the mom is the one that does that yeah. and not the like, you know, authority figure <laughs> yeah, dad right. cop that I like know. bars the daughter in. It's like such a wild uh, part of it. But um, another thing is that um, there was a point in time where. John Saxon wanted to do like a prequel to Nightmare on Elm Street that he talks a little bit about. Um, He says that he's like a student of psychology and was talking about um, dream life having its own reality. I thought the film was good. I got to see it with my son who was about 14. He said, this is pretty good, Pop. And he was right. Subsequently, the special effects took over in the series. I actually wrote a treatment when we were doing the third one. I went around asking everyone what they thought Freddy Krueger really was, and I got some really good answers. Robert um, England was a little intellectual about it. He never made much sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote down a 12-page treatment, uh, which would have been a prequel to understand what all this was about. I put psychological reality in place of special effects. But they already had a number five and six in mind, and they didn't want a movie that would explain it all. I still have it, and it's transferable to outside uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street series, uh, which is pretty interesting. This is from uh, Bloody Disgusting, um, 
discussion he did about this like potential prequel but it is interesting that again like he was more interested in like the psychology and trying to like make this mean something and at that time they were just like no we're just gonna like he's just gonna we're gonna have him kill some more kids and do some more dream shit we don't really need to know about this guy and i don't even know if i would like a, a prequel of nightmare on elm street i don't know how i would feel about that i mean i feel like they tried to do a little bit of that in freddy's dead with like giving him a daughter and talking more about him like he was married and you know kind of this problematic figure but like you know at the end of the day he was like a you know a child's murderer maybe molester that just turned into this like evil dream demon and like i don't know if i need the like watching him just like kill kids and molest them yeah there's so much of that in real life anyway that i don't know if we need like a whole prequel of just like the realities of like a really horrific serial killer (laughs) totally with you i do get uh, actor John Saxon's yes. interest in that. Yeah. Where he does seem to, like you said, it's like, I mean, to me, this particular uh, uh, little piece of interview is like the best evidence we have for like yeah. how seriously he really like took the projects he was in, yeah. even when they were like, and, and I'm not actually saying this. I do think Nightmare on Elm Street is like legitimately one of the great like slasher movies. Yeah. And it's partially because it's not as silly as a lot of the other ones. Mm-hmm. All, But that is all to say like, even when he's in like a silly movie like a Nightmare on Elm Street, he's still like taking it pretty seriously. Yeah, and he and wants to like you know hold on, like find what he can grasp onto. Yeah, as an it. actor, yeah. you know, he wants to really, he clearly wants to be able to like sink his teeth into interesting characters. Yeah, and I think when you're an actor like him, who spends like at least a decade, if not more, just bouncing around from genre movie to genre mm-hmm. movie the opportunities to get a character that you can sink your teeth in are probably few and far between. Yeah, um, so. And so it is interesting to me that he's getting these scripts and really kind of like in his own mind, like reworking them mm. and trying to like add some pathos and psychology into them for his yeah. characters. Um, and everyone like, on set's like, cool dude, great. But yeah. like, you know, we're, we're just like trying to like make a lot of splatter film stuff, you know? <laughs> I really like, there's this one part of this quote where he says, Robert England was a little intellectual about it. He never made much sense to me. I, I think, I assume that what he's saying is f- the character Freddy never made much sense yeah. to him. And that, uh, that England's intellectual approach to that explanation is what didn't make sense to him. Mm, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is interesting to me. Yeah. And kind of makes sense that, like, England, to play that character, would have to probably, in order to almost, like, separate himself from some of the horror of that, Mm -hmm. like, take an intellectual approach to it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know much about England as a person. Me neither. uh, And haven't seen He seems like a very decent guy. Yeah. uh, And would be interesting to, like, maybe do a deep dive on. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, he he got really well-known just for playing this like one character for so long which is really wild to me yeah um but uh you know and then uh and 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 this is next on the list anyway saxon does come back to do the the uh dream warriors yes i was gonna say the sequel it's you know it's the second sequel it's the third movie yeah um but uh which is you know one of my favorites in the series yeah i think probably the the honestly the ones that saxon and um 
uh, Heather Lang- Langenkamp are in are probably like They're the my, three best of my the favorites. One hundred percent. Um, yeah, because yeah, Langenkamp love... comes back for this too. Yeah, she comes back for this, and as well as uh, New Nightmare. Yep. Um, and yeah, Dream Warriors is just like a fascinating premise because after a while, it gets a little monotonous with like what they they do with Freddy. Yes. Um, but yeah, this is like essentially a movie about trying to teach these kids how to become superheroes in their dreams and like fight Freddy that way, which is such a cool concept. The coolest, best expansion of slasher mythology in the history of slasher movies. Yeah, it's such a fascinating premise. And Saxon comes back and in the film, you know, is still I, I can't remember if he's still a cop or if he's retired at this right. point but has either. now kind of become like more of the like alcoholic like right. kind of problematic yes. after well because what he experiences figure. in the first one is crazy yeah like he he yeah. he really just like does encounter freddy outside of the dream world yeah which has become which makes the real world a little bit like the dream. It's really strange. Yeah. It's like this totally weird encounter that he has. I believe he watches his, I think, ex-wife at the time get eaten by a bed. Oh, man. It's, yeah, the you wildest. Know? But then the first one ends in that way where it's like not even clear what of those things really happened, what didn't, what's a dream, yeah. what's reality. And so by the time we get to this third one, it's revealed that he's just like, he has become yeah. the washed up alcoholic on the heels of that. Yeah. And obviously, like, Nancy is totally changed by yes. this experience, too. And has like tried to use it to become this more like of a psychologist that's like looking into like dreams and what they mean and what you can do, but like is also very much like obviously still believes this stuff yeah. and is trying to make sure that like she can like help these these kids. Yes. Um, so it, Dream Warriors is interesting too because like although you do have this like whole cast of characters that's totally different, you have these two figures from the original who are both dealing with their trauma in like drastically different ways. Yeah, and I think that's like probably why you and I like the ones that the two of them are in because yeah. it makes the series about trauma yeah. when it adds the those two characters yeah. back into the mix. And like is obvious like why that they became so close like yeah. doing all of these films together like building this bond yes. as like pr- playing a father and daughter yes. and I, I yeah. really love that. When we get to uh which we will in just a few minutes when we get to New Nightmare I'm excited to talk about that sort of development in in New Nightmare yeah. and how that sort of crosses over with their uh their their real lives. Um, yeah, and then yeah, you had mentioned uh which is the next uh film uh Death House, which is also known as like Zombie, zombie Death, Death House, House sometimes yes. from 1988. And this was Saxon's one and only time directing a film. Yeah. And it's, he chose to direct a, a horror film at that. Yep. Um, very hard to find. Uh, we tried a couple different ways to see if we could watch it. Uh, and then, yeah, like our friends at Viva Video are able to find they all of the movies. They a copy <laughs> and we will be able to rent it next weekend. Yeah, they somehow magically find all of the movies. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to check that out soon. Um, does seem like he didn't have the greatest experience working on this. Um, he said, unfortunately, the producers imposed more car crash, more car chases and gore than the script asked for and uh he kind of admitted he did not really get a chance to make the film according to his own vision um but yeah i mean death house sounds really similar to like some of the others like like that one zombie film we kind of talked about um 
looks like my phone is taking forever to load the IMDb for Death House. Oh. I was going to pull up. Gotcha. So, you know, great. <laughs> That's good. Technical difficulties. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm very excited to see this film because I kind of want to know what uh, a John Saxon directed film is actually like. Oh, yeah, here we go. Death House, a.k.a. Zombie Death House. Um, a renegade federal agent uses a new drug to create an army of unbeatable warriors. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, pretty up there with, like, the, the 80s schlock that we know and love. Great premise. Great premise. Uh, and, you know, the, just the fact that it's hard to find makes me excited even more to uh, yeah. to get my hands on it. So. Um, and then, yeah, after uh, doing uh, Death House, um, he has some more films like Criminal Act, My Mom's a Werewolf, and then a movie that Garrett and I did find called Nightmare Beach. Yes, I. this was one that I had been wanting to see. Yes. It's another sort of giallo slasher. Which stars him and Michael Parks. Michael Parks. Which That's is wild. the real reason I have been trying to track this movie yeah. down, because I love Michael Parks. Yeah. I'm a big John Saxon fan. Parks is another guy we could probably do eventually. Yeah, he's um, such a crazy actor. What a crazy creep. He's like, oh, he's a really weird creep and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and he is... No less a weird creep in yeah. this movie. Uh, and this is another Italian film. And this happens a lot where it's like made in Italy with like Italian crew and everything. But like the movie is supposed to take place in Florida during spring ba- break, which well, is so funny. And I got to tell you, I think that you're right that this movie was made in Italy. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of footage of this movie that is from actual spring break in Florida. Which makes sense. And yeah. I also think that there's a lot of footage in this movie of naked teenagers that was like what you would consider stolen footage. I don't think those teenagers signed off to have their boobs in Nightmare Beach. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think that they just were showing their boobs at uh, what they thought was spring break and was yeah. spring break. And there just was an Italian camera crew that was shooting it and put it in their movie. So crazy. I I, I, I would be pretty confident that that's probably. Yeah. I mean, because so I mean, there is. A, so Nightmare Beach is like this um, this it, guy who was wrongfully accused of a murder is executed and vows to come back and then does and just starts like murdering kids on spring break yeah um, i believe the the one of the alternate titles for this is is like welcome to spring break or like some sort of like you know yeah just kind of cheeky like because it, it's this is one of the this is to me one of the things that's notable about this is more than any other movie I've seen, this like straddles the giallo slasher line. Yes. The Italian giallo versus American slash. It's like For sure. kind of both, you yeah. know? Yeah, because he's like, you know, the the killer is like on a motorcycle. Yes. And so he's always got the helmet on yep. with the gloves. Black gloves. And like a lot of the time is murdering people by like electrocuting them somehow. Uh, He's got like a button on his bike where he is able to like, if someone touches it, it just immediately electrocutes them, which is just insane insane looking. Um, It's yeah. We really enjoyed like a lot of like the, but like so much of the film is also just like these long scenes of kids partying, like, you know, concerts going on, like, uh, 
fucking uh, wet t-shirt contests, like all of just like the dumb spring break shit. Legitimately, if you were, I don't know why anybody would ask for this, but if somebody was like, hey, can you like recommend a good like spring break movie? That is the one I would recommend. Like, yeah. It's one of the only spring break movies I've seen yeah. where you do actually see like a lot of good spring break footage where it's like, yeah. that is what spring break is. Um, and also there's like a plot happening that is actually yeah. pretty interesting and yeah. weird. And and then um, Saxon is again playing a cop, a cop in this one, but very different. He oh, is yeah. paying, playing like a full on like creepy, dirty cop. Yeah, yeah yes, yes. He's a bad guy. Yeah, he is, a, he is a bad fucking dude yeah. that is doing some like really creepy shit. Yeah, him and Parks kind of play these like two creepy lascivious characters. Yeah, which is interesting. Like the film ultimately, like there are these like authority figures in the town. You have like him and Parks, who's a like like doctor. Surgeon or something? He's he works at like one of the clinics. Right. Uh they have some line in it where he's like giving kids drugs on the side, like maybe to like have sex with them or something. Um you have the uh, mayor that is, you know, trying to avoid all the bad publicity, very much being Jaws like mayor. the Jaws mayor. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then the like priest who is trying to stop all of the, the kids right. from, right. uh, you know, having sex and doing drugs and yes. all of that. Yes. And so it ends up kind of being a movie about how all of these authority figures are like problematic and corrupt and dirty which you know i appreciate that those themes <laughs> totally agree and that's that's where the sort of american slasher of it all comes into yeah, play for me yeah, because yeah. what this movie adds that i think you know the italian giallo is 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 kind of a mystery movie that has like slasher elements this is very explicitly like moving in the direction of slasher movies because this adds the whole thing about like sexual morality to it yeah do you yeah, know what i mean like sure. uh which is a not that that's not there in the Italian giallo movies, mm-hmm. but that's those are less about hey, sex is immoral, mm-hmm. and more about um, uh, I guess what you would call like sex fiends or or like actual perverts. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and whereas in American slashers, it's more like innocent teenagers get punished for just having regular sex. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's also that very interesting character in this movie that is like the young girl yeah. that is a sex worker. Yes. And the movie feels very non-judgmental to her That's being right. a sex worker. Yes. I find it really funny. I mean, ultimately she ends up dying in yeah. the film like yeah. all the others. So like maybe again, it is like eventually punishing this person. But like as she's kind of just going about her business and you see these like vignettes of her, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, like they don't really judge this woman for like what she's doing and why she's here at spring break and i like was pretty into that it was cool yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's so funny that this is like um now that i'm saying all this out loud i'm real i'm like oh yeah that's like giallo movies are about sex criminals slasher movies are about um kids being victimized for just having sex but you're right there is there is like a a lot of psychosexual stuff along with kind of the like punishing like the the bad kids if it really feels like it straddles that line between those two somewhat indistinct genres you know what i mean like it yeah i liked this movie a lot like nightmare beach is like one of the easy recommendable ones to me it was very very fun yeah really into it michael parks has a great line at the beginning of the movie too that i can't remember but it's something about like all these fucking kids you know (laughs) well and i actually think this movie is a great example of like what movie how movies like this benefit from actors like john saxon and michael parks right so michael parks and john saxon both have relatively small roles in this movie like when you think about the grand scheme of the movie they don't have 
too much screen time, mm-hmm. either of them, five to ten minutes apiece, right? But their impact is huge. Yeah. And, and Michael Parks in particular in this movie eventually does have like a big Michael Parks style scene chewing <laughs> monologue yeah, that fucking rocks. Yeah. It's like really good. And it's like, it's, you know, this movie's a great example of like, yeah, this is why we, you know, um, one of the things that I love about going back to this era of horror movies is that guys like John Saxon were roaming around in these movies. These sort of yeah. like really legitimately good actors yeah. are kind of like hiding in the seams of these movies and bringing like, like a lot of talent to just a few minor but important mm-hmm. scenes in these movies and that Saxon really make them is, work. Like, pretty chilling in this movie, yeah. playing this like really corrupt, fucked up like authority figure. Yeah. Um, which again is just like he's really good at playing distinctive different types of authority figures yes. too. Like it isn't just like the one Saxon, like, yes. oh yeah, I always play this one type of yeah, cop. Yeah, the cop with a heart of gold who I love is not the only way that we see Saxon yeah, play this stuff. which I think is fascinating. Yeah. And like given what we've kind of like found out about Saxon and his like interest in like these films and kind of finding the backstory, yeah. I feel like he really like chewed up a role like this, you oh, know? Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that kind of wraps up uh, Saxon in the 80s. So then we move on to some of his films in the 90s and his other roles, which um, not as much as some of the other decades. Um, it kind of like from here on out, see like him kind of slowing down and what mm-hmm. he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, he is in films like The Arrival, Hellmaster, The Baby Doll Murders, and Beverly Hills Cop 3. I gotta rewatch Beverly Hills Cop 3 because I don't remember Saxon in that movie, but that was a frequent like Comedy Central movie. Yeah. So I've seen it a few times okay. when I was really young, before it would have mattered to me that yeah, you know John Saxon sure. is in the movie. So I'd be very curious to see like what kind of role he has in that movie. I know. No idea. Um, and also, Hellmaster is a movie that I see the poster of all the goddamn time and just need to watch at this and point. I, like, when I read that, I was like, how have I not seen Hellmaster? I, know. <laughs> I think it's because it looks and sounds like it's a Hellraiser sequel, but it's not. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. So it feels avoidable. Prob- yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you know? Um, and then he has his TV roles, including Melrose Place, uh, Murder, She Wrote, and Matlock, uh, which I have found like several of these genre actors have been in Murder, She Wrote episodes, which I think is delightful. Yeah. I love that so much. And I would actually love to just find some of these individual episodes. I bet we could. On. Yeah, we probably could. Uh, honestly, this might be another thing Viva can help us with. Yeah. Um, like, we're going to be able to just rent the disc that has that episode. You yeah. Know? Um, and then um, I'll just say like what he did in 1996. He was in From Dust Till Dawn, uh, playing like a pretty small role as like a an FBI agent. I yeah. think he's even just like on a TV set being like interviewed. I want to say he's in that sort of beginning, and yeah. I, I don't even want to spoil this movie. I guess just in case somebody mm-hmm. listening hasn't seen it, because this movie is yeah. so fun to discover. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you and I have talked about this big trigger warning with this movie there's like a huge content warning that you need to know about up front there's yeah. a very graphic it's fucking uh, icky yeah there's a very graphic rape scene in this movie yeah um, but uh, it is a great very fun movie and I have to assume he's in that beginning part of the movie when 
you it's, think you're watching. It seems like a bit role. Yeah. Um, but, you know, his biggest role in the 90s is doing Wes Craven's New Nightmare. So excited uh, to talk about this. Which, I mean, we loved. Love and uh, John Saxon is just playing John Saxon. Which that's what's. I love the idea that he, like, got a chance to just play himself in a movie. I think that's so good. It is good. And I the thing that I think is so interesting about his role in New Nightmare is that. We as the audience, so for anybody uh, listening that hasn't seen Wes Craven's A New Nightmare, it's the only Nightmare on Elm Street sequel that Craven directed. Um, He directed the original Nightmare movie and this one, which ends up being the last Nightmare movie Mm -hmm. until they make a remake. But so and this is like Wes Craven at his like meta horror like it's it's like a it's like a pretext to scream. Yeah. Uh, in that it is a meta horror movie. It's it's a Nightmare on Elm Street movie in which Heather Langenkamp plays Heather Langenkamp, mm-hmm. and Freddy Krueger come. It, it Freddy Krueger is like the shape of some kind of demon. Basically, this yeah. like this this demon in the real world takes the shape of Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. to haunt actress Heather Langenkamp. That's probably the best way to de- loosely describe yeah. the premise of the movie. Which is not played by Robert Englund. Right. Robert Englund is just playing himself in this movie as well. Right. So it's a, a fascinating movie that like on its, just when you describe the premise, like maybe shouldn't work, but right. it like really It really works. works. It's really yeah. interesting and weird. And what's really cool is so we as an audience come to the movie with the history of John Saxon and Heather Langenkamp as father and daughter in the mm-hmm. series. But in this movie, they're not father and daughter. They're actor John Saxon and actress Heather Langenkamp who have no relation to each other other than the fact that they played father and daughter yeah. in two campy horror movies. Yeah. But then the whole premise of the movie means that Saxon kind of has to fulfill the role of a father figure yeah. for Langenkamp which to my and your understanding in interviews we've read with both of them, yeah. they did kind of share a mentor-mentee relationship like that. Which is just like so heartwarming and it's cute. It's so heartwarming. It's really cute. It adds yet another weird meta layer to this totally crazy yeah. meta movie. Um, it makes every scene you're watching with them kind of like odd mm-hmm. because you spend the whole time trying to remind yourself that they're not at father and daughter. Yeah. But then the movie wants you to think that that is the relationship that they're getting back into as these events yeah. unfold. Like it's they're so able crazy. to just fall into yeah. it, which is fascinating. Yes, and and it makes for pretty remarkable performances on both of their parts that yeah. they kind of have to play both sides of that at the same time. Yeah, and they do it really well. Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge fan of New Nightmare. I think it's just you know, Wes Craven like doing like his best some of his best work like it's so great yeah um but yeah it's it's really cool like that saxon years later comes back again Again. to just like play himself in this west craven movie i wonder if that ultimately attracts him to it if it's like if the the concept of it being this kind of meta movie where he plays himself i i I wonder if that's interesting to him in some way i feel like it probably would be for sure um and that's, you know, unfortunately, kind of like the last, like, big movie he is in. What do you mean? My man is in Old Dogs, <laughs> starring, I believe, John Travolta and Tim Allen. Uh, I've, I Am know. I right about that? I Maybe. Or am uh, I thinking of Old Hogs? Which I think is so, oh, like a, I think you are like a meta sequel dogs. to this movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
Saxon's career in the 2000s. He's doing more TV. He's on uh, some episodes of CSI. Um, but then he works with Argento again in a Masters of Horror episode uh, that Argento directed, which I have not seen and now I must see. But it is cool that they also came together in the 2000s to work uh, just on like this television show together. I'm really yeah. into that. I have to correct myself on this old dogs thing because I looked it up and I, first of all, was thinking of old hogs. Oh, yes. I looked this up. Okay, please read. (laughs) And there is like a weird semi-sequel to old hogs. It's something about dogs. Anyway, old (laughs) dogs. I need to read you the premise of this movie because it sounds fucking awesome. Three guys in their 70s reclaim their vitality when mistakenly picking up a bag full of cocaine puts them between the cops and the mob. I mean... Extremely into it. It it could be good. Who knows? It could be at least entertaining. Would watch. Would watch, yeah. Phil Lamar is apparently also in this movie. Again, okay. would watch. Um... He is in another film called God's Ears, uh, which is more of a like dramatic film for him uh, compared to kind of like the rest of like Saxon's career. Just nothing's happening here on my phone when I'm trying to do the IMDb's, but we're almost there. So, (laughs) Um, which one did you want to look up? uh, God's Ears. Can do, Uh, or I can't. Uh, 2008, right? Yeah, so this film is about... I'm just making sure it's the one. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Noah Conley is a boxer with a tireless opponent, autism. But when he meets a dancer named Alexia, the two discover together that the toughest fight may be not may not be of the body but of the heart so this is like one of the few i guess like him trying to do more of a dramatic role which kind of sounds like what he was interested more in uh as he was getting older is like doing some stuff that like maybe was a little different and outside of the box of his genre movie career um but the last film that he has like credits for on IMDb is a movie that it's has 2011, um, but it says it's still in post production. It's called Bring Me the Head of Lance Henriksen. Who we were just talking about. Yeah, which is I'm excited to get to this. So yeah, it yeah 2010. It still says it's in post production. So I'm interested if this is a thing we'll actually ever see. Um, but it says when 80s B movie icon Tim. Uh, Thomerson wakes up one day to realize the acting roles are not coming his way anymore. He sets out on a quest to find his former co-star Lance Henriksen um, to discover his secret of Hollywood longativity, uh, longativity and gets more than he bargained for in the process. Longevity. Longevity. There we go. Thanks. I was like, I know I'm not saying this right, <laughs> but whatever. Um, but the film itself is populated by a bunch of different you know, B-movie actors, um, including Adrian Barbeau and John Saxon, of course. Uh, So it sounds interesting. And just that brief plot makes me think that it's like a Highlander, but for B-movie actors. I know, which sounds awesome. Which sounds great. And I kind of love that's, you know, one of the last things that he is uh, credited with working on. So I do hope we get a chance to someday see this film. I knew Tim Thomas 
person's name sounded familiar. He is also a B-movie star. Yeah. He was in Near Dark, but the thing I know him from is Trancers, which is something I've seen at oh, an Exhumed show before. Interesting. And um, Trancers too. Yeah, so there's a bunch of Trancers movies. Um so yeah, that uh, that is the last of the of his like career uh, in in films. Um, it seems like he kind of just goes into retirement uh, with his wife. Um, one of like the last cute articles I read was that um, they went to a Tennessee retirement space, um, and. It, they like just wanted to be there and have like kind of like more of a peaceful life out there. But like the people at his like retirement community knew that he was an actor and like w- liked a lot of his movies. And so they had like a little movie festival in honor of him, so which is awesome. just the cutest thing. You think they watched Nightmare Beach at the retirement home? Oh, God, I hope so. I would have like, I would have killed to be there. Yeah. It w- probably was the cutest thing ever. Yeah, sounds great. Um, yeah, but you know, he was, you know, still doing interviews with people, doing some of like the um, you know, going to like conventions and and doing, you know, some of those kind of things. Um, but in, you know, earlier this year, 2020, he ends up dying of pneumonia. Yeah. Um, which, you know, he fucking battled Freddy Krueger three times <sighs> and that that's what got him. So sad. Yeah. Um, definitely not as much fun of a of a film world without John Saxon in it. Yeah, I know. It's um you know, and it's like you were saying, it's like we haven't even seen him in much in really the last like ten years. And uh mm-hmm. uh it's weird how much you miss somebody like that. Like yeah. um just knowing they're gone is hard yeah. in some way. When he passed away, Heather Langenkamp wrote, in three nightmare films, John Saxon played the tough guy, the distant father, and the hard-nosed cop. But I came to know him as the kindest, most encouraging, and dignified gentleman, father, and husband to Gloria. Um, That shooting star you see tonight is him, Um, which just, like, makes me tear up when I read that. Um, And, you know, kind of like we talked about, Saxon Saxon never, like, totally got, like, the... The acclaim given his, you know, insane life working with so many talented actors and directors. You know, he was nominated in 1966 for a Golden Globe, uh, but overall just didn't get this acclaim. Um, There's was like an interesting um, piece I saw that was, I guess, trying to figure out like why he didn't have this like trajectory of like working and being this like star after a time, even when they were trying to like market him as such in his early career. Um, trying to find where it was. Um, it says, uh, According to Filmink, who wrote this like piece on him, uh, Universal seemed to lose enthusiasm for him as a potential star. Maybe he was too ethnic looking, uh, too associated with teen roles. Maybe he didn't want to. Maybe there were no suitable parts. In the long run, it probably worked out best for Saxon. He never would be as popular as the box office as a teen idols like Sandra D, Pat Boone, or Troy Donahue, but he would go on to have a far more versatile, rich career than either of them. Yeah, Which I really I, like that. I really love that quote, um, and I think that is such a positive take on it, um, you know, because 
he didn't rise to the success or get typecast like some of these like teen stars he Mm -hmm. was working with when he was younger he did go on to have a fascinating career and do some of like I would say some of our favorite like horror films specifically, yeah. but just like genre films in general. Yeah. It's like, he gets to be like a journeyman. Yeah. Um, and it's weird. I remember being younger and uh, the, the, especially in regards to directors, the term journeyman almost being used as like an insult. Like he's a journeyman director. And, and that almost being used to mean like, he doesn't really have like a signature. He just kind of like bounces around yeah. and, but it's like, now that I'm older, it's like, no, the journeyman is what you want to be. You yeah. want to be the person who gets to dip their toe in like every corner of this like art that you're fascinated by yeah. and sort of like almost like not leave, not have your style, but leave your mark on each kind of style and each sort, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, so yeah, it's like he gets to be this journeyman actor where he gets to like do so many different things, mm-hmm. be in so many different kinds of movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, cause I think we've come to a point where we've seen a lot of the like, our tour directors who have their like you know their style and their like niche that they do and seeing how that has kind of gone and how a lot of them are so stuck in this way that they're like not necessarily doing as interesting like things that they have been and I think that's very similar with like a lot of actors too that have like reached this kind of like point in their life where well, they can they can kind of do whatever, but they they don't. They end up being kind of typecast in their own way or like they're only going to be in films that are like Oscar bait films, like stuff like that, um, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yes. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that kind of wraps it on our, uh, our journey through Saxon's life. On John Saxon. Yeah, what a fascinating and uh, lovely human being. I wish he's a person I could have met. I know, and like, uh, you know, legitimately a guy that you could say is just defined by his B-rolls. Yeah, and, you know, indeed. I, I mean, there's kind of not an A-role in here. I mean, maybe a Nightmare on Elm Street, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, for sure. Um, so sort of the perfect kickoff for this series. Absolutely. Um, and have we decided who we are going to do next? Yeah, but we don't have to. You don't want to announce it? No. Okay. Yeah, Sounds good. We'll keep it a <laughs> mystery. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, one one thing I want to try to do is to balance it out, like I said, with yeah. women and POC and LGBTQ folks. Um, and I have like a decent pool, but um, if you know people have suggestions. Please reach out to we us. We definitely want to know. Um, you can definitely find Garrett and I just on our respective social medias. At Wait, some point, we will have we'll information have for, for you. The show, and we'll probably record like a quick bumper that yeah, has that stuff. For um, sure. But that, that's a perfect transition to close out the show with some plugs. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to get in touch with us, I'm at Philadelphia on Twitter. Same thing on Letterboxd. Uh, I have a podcast called I Like to Movie Movie. You should check it out. Um, and I write for Cinema 76. Yeah, uh, I'm Victoria Potenza on Letterboxd. Um, I'm on Instagram. I, again, don't do the the tweets. Right. Um, but I have a podcast I do with some of my former coworkers called Butter With That. Uh, and I also write for Cinema 76. And, uh, you know, I have a couple things up uh, for right now it's like the beginning of december so i have a couple things that came out today so yeah who knows when they're actually going to hear this yeah but you know there'll probably be more things (laughs) coming out so 
Yeah, just uh, if you just uh, type Tori's name into uh, the little search yeah. box in Cinema 76, yeah. you'll get all her stuff. Same for Garrett. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she has an awesome series on um, uh, gender in uh, Cronenberg's movies, sex and gender in Cronenberg's yeah. movies uh, that you can find there. Love me some Cronenberg. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, can't remember if we came up with a sign-off of any kind. Uh, just... See you next time. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>